0: Left for three and a win, yes, Dion has done it. I watched Marcus Morris handling the ball like he was a point guard. I watched them give the ball to Julius Randle. This brother was dribbling the ball up the damn court. First team all defense. First team all defense. I don't know about this, but Rihanna just walked in front of me. Are you kidding me?
2: <laughs> Welcome into a Thursday edition. The Road to Wire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen joined today by James Anderson, uh, who's taken some time out of his baseball preparations uh, to talk a little bit of NBA. Uh, James, appreciate you coming on the show as always. When exactly is Opening Day for MLB this year?
1: Um, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay,
2: that's the correct <laughs> answer. I don't know if anybody knows. I I've actually I've started reading. Like ESPN put out like uh, 30 questions for each team. I was pouring through that last night, learning like, oh, this guy's on this team now. Oh, this guy, you know, Lasting's Millage isn't even on a roster this year. Um, Crazy. It, it just feels, I, I feel like baseball was able to salvage a, a pretty fun postseason last year. Really enjoyed the World Series, enjoyed some of those, you know, championship series in each league. But to me, I mean, obviously you're more plugged in with baseball than I am times like a thousand. But it just feels like last year was like this weird blip on the radar that barely even happened.
1: Yeah, um, it's it's definitely it was definitely a really weird year and it's made for a really weird uh, preparation season, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I'm just I'm excited for the full the full grind to get going. Um, it wasn't really baseball to me kind of last season It was just so, sort of something different altogether. Uh, but happy to happy to be back on track.
2: Yeah, if you're not following James on Twitter, if you're not reading his baseball uh, content on RotoWire, make sure you're doing that. Uh, but we have you here to talk basketball, James. And I emailed you yesterday and it essentially asked you to just put together a list of general predictions regarding anything NBA related for the rest of the season, including the playoffs. I'm very excited to see what kind of list you've compiled. I have a few items myself, but I'm, I'm much more excited to see what you came up with. So I will cede the floor to you. Uh, And you can give me your first prediction for the rest of the 2020-21 NBA season.
1: All right. Uh, I'm going to go with my maybe my most out-of-left-field one first uh, and just kind of get your take on it. Um, I am going to predict that the San Antonio Spurs, who never make any in-season trades, are going to trade for Nikola Vucevic.
2: Oh, wow, wow. I like that quite a bit. I I toyed around with some Vucevic trades myself. I did not have the Spurs uh, involved in those discussions. I like it a lot. I think Vuce is, it's kind of cliche at this point, but I think it's fair to call him a classic Spurs type of player. Do you have any framework for what that potential deal would look like?
1: So I was, I mean, I think obviously LaMarcus Aldridge is sort of the matching salary. and then you know I think you throw in lot like Lonnie Walker, and then maybe uh, a protected first or something like that. Um, I don't I don't think you need to throw the kitchen sink in there to get Vucevic. I mean I think like I think the Spurs could beat some offers from kind of the other rumored destinations without kind of going all in in a package for Busevich. So I think just allowing the magic to kind of clear their books, um, you, you get Aldridge in there as an expiring contract and, um, you give them, you know, another, another wing player and someone like Walker, maybe, maybe even they can squeeze, you know, I, I don't think they would want to include Keldon Johnson or DeJounte Murray or Derek White, uh, I don't think they would want to include Devin Vassell either, but maybe one of those, one of Walker Vassell plus a, plus a pick or two. I,
2: I think that probably gets it done. I mean, it, the question is whether Orlando is self-aware enough, I guess, to recognize where it is with Vucevic because he's been so good single handedly this year that, you know, obviously Orlando's not doing, not doing well. They've had a ton of injuries, um, but it, it doesn't like it doesn't feel like they're as bad as like the Minnesota, Detroit, Cleveland's of the world, Washington, even though they only have like two more wins than those teams. I mean, they are kind of right there. But Vucevic has been so good that it feels like it's kind of kept them out of that. Just, you know, who's the worst team in the league discussion. But the reason that I thought about him as well uh, on this list for being traded is just like he, he has two more years on his contract after this at a pretty reasonable number when you compare it to some of the bad you know veteran contracts in the league 24 mil next year 22 mil in 22 23 those, those aren't terrible numbers and he's still extremely productive i mean he's having the best year of his career i mean if you're Orlando is there any any world in which you're a true contending team within the next 2 years because if you're not you know sure you could resign Vucevic after that but at that point he's going to be well past his prime
1: yeah, no, I no chance. And I think that they really, really need to get into that the top five of the draft, um, ideally yeah. the top three of the draft. I mean, it's a it's a five player draft and you you could really land a future superstar with a top two or top three pick. So I, I think that keeping Vucevic on the roster is preventing them from really uh, plummeting to the bottom of the standings, which is where they would really like to be, I think.
2: Right. And they, they just have not drafted well enough these last few years. I mean, Cole Anthony, I, I think it's going to turn out to be a fine player, maybe not a superstar. I mean, it, it just feels like they have like seven Chuma Okikis on the roster already between yeah. James Ennis, Dwayne Bacon, Gary Clark. Uh, obviously, Aaron Gordon's in that category before he got hurt. Um, you know, Jonathan Isaac going down, I think kind of changed things for them. The, the Mo Bamba pick looks like a whiff in 2018. They just they need more bites at the apple. I, I think like more chances to land somebody because. I mean, I, I, Vucevic seems like a nice guy. It doesn't seem like the type of guy that's going to demand out of Orlando, but I, I feel like if it were a different star, someone with a higher profile, there'd be a lot more talk about get this guy out of here, get him to a contending team. Like, I don't think this is all that different of a situation from what, what Brad Beal is in with the Wizards. Like contractually, it's pretty similar.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, it's maybe just sort of the fact that he's a center and, Like, you know, any team, any contending team would love to have Bradley Beal and could easily fit him into their lineup Um, with it being a center. You know, your your options are kind of narrower. But, um, you know, I think with with Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz, all of a sudden, just extremely risky from a health standpoint. And you just you can't really assume that they're going to be reliably healthy, good players, even when they return I think you, if you're Orlando, not only do you need to make sure you get a really high pick in this year's draft, but you need to make sure you get a really high pick in, in next year's draft as well. So I just think they, they have to move him and really sooner rather than later to, to try to make sure that they get to the bottom.
2: And the difference between Vucevic and Beal, of course, is that Vucevic is going to turn 31 later this year. Beal's 27. So you know, at least with Beal, there's, there's a little more of a you, you could at least sell yourself in the idea of keeping this guy around on his next contract and he's still going to be in his prime. Whereas with Vucevic, it, it's I think there's some of it where you don't want to, you don't want to give away your best player in the midst of what's already been like a tough couple of years, but I, it's hard. I think it's hard to make a case that it makes more sense for Orlando, even if you eliminate, you know, the personal aspects of, of what it means trading a franchise player, like it is objectively in their best interest to flip him for assets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Okay. What's what's the number two item on your list?
1: Um. Well, it it wasn't number two, but since we kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, this is you know maybe you could bet on this somewhere. I'm not sure if you can, but um, I think Cade Cunningham and Jonathan Kaminga will be the top two picks in the draft in some order, and I I feel. I'm growing extremely confident in, in those being the first two guys off the board.
2: Yeah, I I, I don't have a, a serious case for that not to, to be what happens. I mean, I think Jalen Green is gonna be in that conversation. I mean Cunningham is the name if you've been following college basketball or following recruiting, he's been the name that's that's been at the top of this list for what, two plus years at this point. Um, you know, and, and usually this happens with with every class when there's a clear number one guy um you know people start forecasting especially on the heels of of a pretty down draft with with kaminga i mean what if what does that g league ignite team played like two games so far have they even played two he Uh, he looked awesome in the the one that i watched
1: i think they played i think they've played three um okay i think they might have played their third one last night maybe um Mm uh but yeah i mean he's he's just so like he's such a sure thing um I mean Cunningham's a sure thing too. Like they're they're very, very different. Uh like Cunningham is sort of um he's kinda like got like a James Harden type of game. Um and then yep. Kaminga gets like the Kawhi Leonard comps. Um I mean he's just he's got a NBA body. I mean he's just got that perfect wing combination yep. of skills where like the the three point shot is still sort of a work in progress for him, but every other aspect of his game is just perfect for being a, a star wing in the NBA. And, mm. um, I think it probably maybe depends, like is the team that has the number one pick looking for a primary ball handler or are they looking for a wing? I mean, they're probably looking for both, but, um, you know, maybe if it was, uh, you know, a team like, I don't know if, would the Cavs want to take a, Primary ball handler, maybe. Um, I don't. I, don't
2: know. I feel like if the draft recent drafts have taught us anything, it's do not draft for need at the top, yeah, especially when there's a potential when there's a, a guy who might be Kawhi Leonard or a guy who might be James Harden. Like, don't don't overthink
1: it. Right, but I mean, I think you know, I I think every single team could use the wing like immediately right. and just plug them in like. Whereas you you have some of these teams where it's like you know, would, would the Pistons be willing to admit that the Killian Hayes pick, <laughs> pick was the not the I, so. <laughs> um, I Yeah, I hope so as well. Um, but, it, you know, the, the main point is, like, I think, like, to me, I think Jalen Suggs is awesome. And I, I would, I mean, he, if he was, like, the third or fourth pick, that's, like, an amazing third or fourth pick relative to most drafts. And same thing with Evan Mobley and uh, J- Jalen Green. I mean, I, I think, to me, he's kind of, the clear fifth guy of those top five, but, um, like Kaminga is just looked so impressive. Like I, I didn't know a ton about him coming out of high school. Um, I mean, Jalen green was kind of the the bigger name on that ignite team heading into the season. But, um, I mean, I've just been blown away by how much of an NBA player Kaminga looks like already.
2: Right. Mobley is really interesting. I, I don't think he's necessarily in that number one discussion i think a lot of a lot of years he would be but the guys ahead of him are are just too strong but even him i mean last night i was watching a little bit of of usc arizona state 22 points nine rebounds seven assists two steals three blocks for evan mobley i mean he is i I almost feel like he's more of like what people thought deandre ayton would be and deandre Ayton's fine but i i think people maybe overestimated his ceiling a little bit and and mobley has had more explosive games and, and to me he's shown like he's showing more like whoa this translates to the translates to the NBA especially on the defensive end. I mean he's averaging over 3 blocks a game for USC. Like I I I think you know Deandre Ayton's the guy who's going to go number 1 in his class. Mobley maybe goes 3 or 4. Um but I I feel like in a normal year Mobley would would be very much in that conversation for the number 1 pick.
1: Yeah and that's that's why you know the more the season goes on I mean I mean the more we talk about it it's just it can't be stressed enough just how top heavy this draft is and how kind of catastrophic it would be to fall like to six or seven in this draft because Mm. at that point i think once you get outside the top five you're basically looking at role players um from from six on down uh at least from from what i can tell and um so i think that it's just going to be extremely important and i think that there i mean people have talked about this already but I think there's a major advantage to being one of those first teams that sort of starts to tank, like the first team to kind of trade away all of your, uh, all your pieces, like, like the magic, for instance, like, I mean, if they trade Vucevic soon, I think that there's a major advantage in in being that team. Um, Like the, if the bulls were to start chipping off parts or uh, whichever one of these teams are going that way already. Well, yeah, they've, I get, yeah, I mean, I guess the Cavs and the Pistons have kind of embraced that. Um, you know, the Pistons, I, I don't think they really had a choice. I mean, I think they were headed there, whether they embraced it or not. I mean, sitting Blake Griffin doesn't necessarily um, mean you're going to lose more games than you were already yeah. losing. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, like, these other teams, like... The teams that are really gonna make a huge mistake are the teams like if Chicago tries to push to get into the play-in tournament, um, or if like the you know the Kings or, or whoever try to push to get into the playoffs, like that's that's a mm-hmm. big mistake I think because you're gonna end up just picking like in the late lottery at that point, and you're just yeah. not gonna get an impactful player there most likely. So, um, and I mean. <laughs> this this timberwolves draft pick thing is is just uh so funny um you know like they're they, in a tough spot they're in a tough spot they, they need it's not good they they really need to um you know i mean if they get top 3 i mean it's top 3 protected right top 3 protected yeah so i mean it would be really huge for them uh to get top 3 but if that thing lands four or five, I mean, that would just be an utter disaster. And well, and with the new know, odds,
2: there's not that much they can do. It's like, I, I yeah. guess it's like, they're probably going to finish with the worst record, but it, it's, it doesn't really
1: lock you in like it used to. But it's not, yeah, and it's not like, like, they're not going to just tank, right? Like, they just, they're getting Carlisle Towns going and everything. Like, I mean, there there's not really yeah, anything no. they can do to yeah
2: i mean well they're they're in the lucky scenario where they have like some appealing pieces You're, like I, we're going to talk about anthony edwards in a little bit but like he's played really well obviously you have towns coming back you do you, they did just lose russell which is big but you have a capable replacement in rubio malik beasley has been good they're just they're just like lucky that their guy like they have guys who can play well and they're still lose eight out of ten games
1: i don't i honestly don't know if losing d'angelo russell um hurts their chances of winning games here. Um, so I I mean I think they they probably finish with like the fifth worst record in the league or something like that. Now that Towns is back, um they they have so. a nice
2: cushion already. Like they're they're four and a half behind OKC and Houston in the West alone. I yeah. Mean, Detroit's going to give them a run, Washington'll give them a run, Cleveland will certainly give them a run. It's it, I mean it's going to be it's going to come down to like lottery night. It's going to be 50-50 whether
1: they keep their pick. I think the I think the Cavs and the Pistons are really making a serious move here. Um, like, they're they're going to – I think they're going to pass the Wolves. Um, yeah. The the funniest part is just this. the thunder. Like, you know, they, they couldn't have done a, much more to really set themselves up for finishing in the bottom of the, the league uh, than they did. I mean, they, they haven't played George Hill. Um, I mean, I guess they, they could have just – that's what they. That's basically what they have to do: is just sit Horford as much as they possibly can here, or just trade him. I mean, they, they really need to trade him, um, because yeah. that, anyone that's helping He's too good. them win He's too games, good. Other, yeah, anyone that's helping them win games other than SGA and, and Lou Dort pretty much needs to go. Uh, I actually even was considering, like, would it be smart? Would it be like a a 3D chess move to trade Lou Dort? Because of just how how appealing he probably is to a lot of these contending teams, because of just yeah. the fact that he can guard the best player on the other team, and like some of these teams don't even have a great option for that um but i I think he's just maybe too good um, and on uh, too good of a deal to for that to make sense for them, but like this this thunder team being unable to really separate themselves at the bottom uh obviously a testament to the coach and uh, the way that these guys are playing.
2: Well, they've done too good of a job of assembling their like six through 15 guys. You know, it's like you yeah. can you can they had a bunch of injuries. You know, they had, SGA missed some time, George Hill missed some time, Horford missed time, and all of a sudden like Isaiah Roby's coming out of nowhere playing really well. Darius Basley plays really well. kenridge Williams is starting at point guard and they're winning games. Like they've they've just put together too good of a role player collection. And, and I'm with you. Eventually they'll fall back. They'll they'll do what they need to do. I like the dort idea. I think the other thing is what are you getting back for Dort because he is young, he's on an affordable contract. He in theory is part of your long long-term future, which is where OKC is looking. I mean, they're they're looking at a, you know, 3 to 7 years down the road instead of 1 to 3 like a lot of these teams. And if you're if you're giving up Dort, I don't know that you necessarily want another draft pick. And yeah. I I mean unless you unless you're getting like you know, I don't know, the Rockets first round pick this year, which you're not getting you know, do you really need another pick that that would maybe be like 22nd overall? And if not, are you trading him for another young player who has similar upside? Like at that point, it, to me, it just kind of becomes a wash.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, the, the only reason I thought of it is it's just like, it's kind of a shame that he's not going to be in the playoffs because of how good, like, I mean, he put on a show in last year's playoffs. And then I just think he's already sort of established himself as one of the top two or three guys you'd want to put on a LeBron or a Kawhi or or whoever. Um, But it, so it's just kind of a shame that he's sort of stuck on this team that won't be playing in meaningful games in the playoffs.
2: All right. So I'm going to give you one of mine right now. And we, we touched on the Timberwolves and that's why I want to go here. Uh, I have written the Timberwolves will be exonerated for the Anthony Edwards pick by the end of the season.
3: Wow.
1: That's that's a bold one. Um, do With you- the exception
2: that people will still say yes, you should have taken Lamelo, but I don't think it's going to look that bad.
1: So, like, um, do you sort of mean like it'll be kind of it? It won't be the like Marvin Bagley of passing on Luka Doncic, it'll be more of the DeAndre Ayton of passing on Luka Doncic. Yes.
2: Yes. I think so if you look at uh Anthony Edwards season long numbers, still not great. He's at like 38% from the floor. Last 15 games, 17 and a half points, four and a half rebounds, three assists, almost a steal per game, 42% from the field, 36% from three, 84% at the line. Within that span, He had a 12-game sample where he averaged 18, five rebounds, three and a half assists, 39% from three. Um, Had 28 against the Lakers the other night. Had a potential game winner that was like 80% down last night uh, against the Pacers. They ended up losing that one in overtime. Not a great game for Edwards overall. But the biggest thing for me is that he, he definitely is better or more willing, I guess, as a playmaker than we thought. I mean, his first few games, even if you just look at the game logs, it's like one assist, two, zero, two, one, 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 zero, two, zero. And these last few games, it's been five, four, four, five, three, three, four. Like those aren't great assist numbers. I'm not claiming that he's the next James Harden, but I I really thought, you know, he was one of those guys. And I think you did too, where, you know, his best case scenario is he's averaging like 27 points, four rebounds and like two and a half assists. And I I think he maybe has a, a little bit of a higher ceiling there. Like he's, he's looked more competent over the last month than I thought he would at any point this season.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, def- I think that a lot of that sort of coincided with Russell being out. And again, like, I mean, I think you, I think we're getting to the point where D'Angelo Russell has to be thought of as one of the worst contracts in the league, uh, like probably bottom, bottom six, I would say at least. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's definitely great to give him more of these sort of on-ball opportunities where he's supposed to be doing more than just scoring. Um, I mean, I, I still think it's going to be one of those drafts where all the teams that had a chance to take ball and didn't take him are just going to be forever uh, shamed by that. Um, but I do think, like, we, we could be, like, I mean, Edwards could definitely be better than Wiseman. I mean, I, I think that you know it, it might not be a thing where it's like, oh, lol, the Timberwolves. It, it's probably going to be Timberwolves and the Warriors both really uh, screwed up on that one. So um, I, I I think it's it's great that he's playing better uh, of late. I still would take Lamella Ball over him ten times out of ten. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's definitely trending up.
2: Apparently, you didn't see Dwayne Wade earlier this week say that Anthony Edwards could be better than him. So I, I don't. You must have missed that.
1: Wow, that's wow. <laughs> high praise. That's high praise. What's what's his? Uh, what's he get out of that? What's what? What's Wade's connection to Anthony Edwards? I
2: don't know. I, I, that was my first thing too. I'm like, does does Dwayne Wade have like an agency that Anthony Edwards is signed to? Like, I don't. I don't know why he felt compelled to comment about this. Huh. Uh, yeah, I did find odd.
1: Or go ahead. There's got to be some sort of connection.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> I found odds on the 2021 number one pick. These are from Odd Shark. And they are as of February 12th, so last Friday. And, you know, maybe some of the G, G League Ignite stuff would change these numbers over the last week. But Cunningham is the heavy favorite, minus 300. Green and Kaminga, both at plus 550. Mobley, plus 650. Jalen Suggs, 10 to 1. Scotty Barnes, 15 to 1. And then Zaire Williams at Stanford is 15 to 1.
1: Yeah, so I think um, I'd probably still bet Cunningham at at plus 300. Uh, If there's a way you can bet, the bet I'd be looking for is, can you find a way to bet Kaminga goes two or Kaminga goes top two? Um, I still think Cunningham goes one because he... You know, I think most teams probably take the on-ball guy. Um, but, I, I mean, I think I think there are going to be certain teams that would take Kaminga over over Cunningham. Um, so if you can find, you know, whoever your bookie is or wherever you're making your bets, if you can get Kaminga to go top two, I think that's a really good bet right now.
2: Yeah, as always, every time that it looks like there's a, a absolute lock at the top, whether it's NBA, NFL, whatever. There's always going to be a conversation, just like we're seeing, like this this very week. You know, multiple sources claiming that you know Zach Wilson or Trevor or uh, Justin Fields is a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence. We've seen it over and over again. But I, I do think Cunningham has like the he has the incumbent status where it's like someone mm-hmm. has to take the number one pick away from him.
1: And I mean, personally, I would take Kaminga over him just based on what I know right now. And I would think long and hard about taking Suggs over him. But I do think the the size and the shooting, uh, like, I, I just don't, I don't think Cunningham's going to play much defense at all in the NBA. So, like, I I, I always am going to kind of gravitate towards the two-way guys, but um I, you know, I think it's, it's just, it's so loaded at the top this year. It's going to be really, really fun.
2: Yeah. If if Jalen Suggs might go fifth, that's saying a lot. Uh, give me the next item on your list.
1: All right. Another trade. Um, the Celtics who again, kind of like the Spurs are infamous for never doing anything. Uh, I think they're going to trade for PJ Tucker.
2: Oh, well, well. I have. I've heard some rumblings. I think P.J. Tucker is very available. I think the Celtics definitely need somebody like that. Um, to, I mean, if so let's say that happens and doesn't really matter what they're giving up. You know, probably some mid-level draft capital and, and some filler. Not anybody that's really going to you know, change the roster dramatically. Is that enough to really move the needle for you? Does that make you feel any differently about their ceiling if that were to happen?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that makes them a title... I mean, they're already, to me, still kind of a fringe title contender. Um, but I think that would make them a, a serious title contender because, I mean, I'm still really worried about just Kemba Walker's um, ability to be the guy that they sort of thought they were getting uh, in the playoffs this year. But if you can go if you can go Brown Tatum smart Tucker like that's 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 potentially just an absolutely elite defensive unit and like Tucker and smart together would just be such a pain in the ass to go up against for really any team in a a playoff series because those guys are just so tough and so relentless Uh, I think it would just be a really good fit I think you know, PJ Tucker just strikes me as the type of guy Danny Ainge would really want to get, and yeah, I mean, I think you just you throw Jeff Teague in there, and you throw um, I don't know, maybe you even trade Daniel Tice, and maybe attach like Aaron Nesmith or or uh, mm-hmm. one of these recent like Romeo Langford or someone like that. Um, I I think that they're still like the 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 tough thing about the Celtics is. Um, the Bucks and the Sixers are, su- are such tough matchups for them. And Tucker doesn't necessarily change that, although he would give them probably their best guy on Giannis. I mean, Smart, smart usually guards Middleton, but um, I still think they would have a tough time with those matchups just because of Giannis and Embiid and not really having a guy. But I, I don't think they can go trade for a guy that's going to help them against Giannis or Embiid. So I I still think you, if you're Boston, you just sort of hope that you only have to play one of those two teams and the other one gets knocked out somewhere where you don't have to play them. And I mean, I would take, I would take Boston over. uh, I think I would take Boston over Brooklyn if they got uh, Tucker and got everyone at full strength.
2: Really? Well, one of of the items on my list is that, the Nets win the Eastern Conference relatively easily, so I disagree. I, I think I think the assemblage of talent has now become underrated. Like I, I know there are massive defensive issues, and I, I think eventually that's going to cause them some problems. But I I just think I mean the the ISO scoring ability of those three guys is just astronomical. Like no one else in the league can match that whatsoever. I think some of the teams in the West, the Lakers and the Clippers in particular, could could challenge them defensively. I I think Philly could give them trouble. I just I don't see the way that Milwaukee's playing right now. Certainly, this this Boston team, as currently constructed, or even with PJ Tucker, I I don't think that these other teams, even if they're they're better defensively, I I still don't think they can score with the Nets.
1: You know, I mean, I would take. I think I would take the Nets to come out uh, just with everything the way it is right now. Um, I de- I definitely think the Nets would beat the Bucks. Uh, you know who else? Like I I definitely think the Nets would beat the Sixers. To be honest, I actually think that's a really easy matchup for the Nets because I don't think the yeah. Sixers can can score enough to stay with the Nets. Right. I
2: think that's um, a classic. Let Embiid go for forty and fifteen right. and handle exactly. the
1: rest. Exactly. Exactly like what the the Spurs used to do with the. Uh, the sons when they would just right. let Amari go get 40 and then stop everyone else. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I definitely think the Nets would beat those two teams, the, the Bucks and the Sixers, but I think the Celtics would match up just so well with Brooklyn, uh, defensively. And I think that they would be able to score at will as well. So I, I just think it's the, it, it would kind of give them the perfect matchup against Brooklyn if they were to get PJ Tucker. Uh, it still leaves them vulnerable to, like I like I said, the Sixers and the Bucks. I think it still leaves them vulnerable, and that's what makes this Eastern Conference playoffs so fun. Like I think the East is more fun than the West, personally. Like I just think it's there's so many matchups that are going to yeah. dictate. Like it's it's not about just talent. Like in the West, it's it's the Lakers are the most talented team, and they match up kind of with anyone. But in the East, it really is about these matchups.
2: Yeah. And even this year in the East, the team, whatever team gets in with the seven and the eight seed is going to be a lot more fun than your usual seven or eight. You know, it, it might be, I mean, it might be Charlotte. It might be the Knicks. Um, like there's just going to be, it's going to be a more thorough playoffs. So you Usually in round one of the East, you have like maybe two good series and the other ones are kind of throwaways. And, and I'm not saying Charlotte's going to, you know, give Philadelphia or Brooklyn a run in, in round one, but it's at least going to be a lot more fun to watch.
1: I mean, I, I, I watch more Hornets games. Than Bucks games these days. So really? I I can't, I, I'm very excited for Charlotte Hornets uh, playoff yeah. basketball, even if it comes in a, a playing game situation. See, my team for that this year has been the Kings
2: because I, I, I find myself usually watching league pass later. You know, I'll, I'll check in on the early games and then, you know, focus on whatever two or three games start at like nine. And that's always the Kings. I feel like I've probably watched seven fr- start to finish Kings games this year, which. <laughs> In a normal year, would in a normal year would be like a mental health situation, and and this year it's actually been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm more, I, you know, I I probably go to bed a couple hours before you do, so I I'm still kind of on East Coast time. So, um, and I mean, I just, it's not, I mean, it's mostly about Lamelo, but and they're banged up right now, obviously, but I've really enjoyed uh, just this kind of young cast of characters on that Hornets team.
2: Okay, so back to you. Uh what what is the next item on your list?
1: All right, so this is my last one. Um but I'm excited to see if you've got any others. But uh I think the I think the Dallas Mavericks are gonna make a big push here um over the next couple months to really kind of get into that uh six, five, four range of the Western Conference playoffs. Um they obviously were just people talk about how they were sort of decimated by covid earlier in the season but i i don't think people really understand just how uh, vulnerable that those absences kind of left them like i think Finney smith and maxie cleaver are are kind of the um the glue of this entire team and they're such sort of vital parts of their rotation and without those guys they were just kind of, you know, hemorrhaging um points, especially on the defensive side. I mean, like you're asking just a bunch of guys to kind of play out of position when those two guys aren't in there. And they're still, you know, like Cleaver is still kind of working his way back. He has he's been kind of really pretty bad. Um but I think once he kinda of gets back into shape and, and up to speed, um I think he's just going to make a huge difference. Like him, him and Porzingis together is is kind of necessary, I think, for those those pieces to fit. And I think Luka Doncic showed up out of shape and has been working his way back into shape. And um, you know, Josh Richardson was kind of slow to sort of get going. Um, I I mean, I still think that was a terrible trade in hindsight um, for them to trade Seth Curry away. But uh, I, you know, if you're trying to bet. Um, you know, even if it's just on a game by game basis, I think the Mavs will be pretty good against the spread going forward. And, uh, you know, if you, if you can bet on them to, to make the playoffs or get like a top six seed or something like that, I think that that's something worth looking at.
2: I have the utmost respect, unlimited respect for Luka Doncic showing up out of shape and then saying, "Like, look, I, I had no idea that the season was going to start this soon. Like, <laughs> hey, this is not my fault at all." And everybody's been like, "Yeah, I
1: guess you're right. It, it really isn't your fault." <laughs> I mean, why why did why are these guys expected to just stay in shape three? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think it's
2: unrealistic. I remember reading an article like shortly after the bubble. And there was there was some line that was basically the summary was like the Mavericks are very concerned about what Luca does when he leaves the country and goes back to Slovenia. (laughs) I I think reading between the lines, it was like this guy does not play any basketball or workout at all for a decent chunk of time when the season's
1: over. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I think some guys do that and still stay in shape. Um, (laughs) Like I I think some guys do. Sure. He just he just obviously I mean you I mean this was part of I still think it was a really stupid decision by all the teams that even thought about passing on him let alone did pass on him but um I mean that was really kind of the one knock is that like you just kind of look at his body and it's like he's one of those guys where when he retires he's going to put on like 60 pounds in a couple months um he's just got kind of one of those bodies where like his natural yeah. Uh, physique is not that of a nba primary ball handler but i mean he's still young enough where you would think that diet and just kind of basic exercise would be enough to kind of keep you in shape you would think I, he he defies the odds that's that's why he's luka Doncic. he's i he's have the bad. well he's also like he's no longer my favorite non-buck that's that's lamello and Oh, wow. Part of it is just, Luca's has just become, he's become like, um, like he, he might be one of the worst complainers in, in the league at this point. Uh, that
2: this, just comes with the territory though. <laughs> like what, are there any stars that aren't pretty big complainers? Like maybe Kawhi, even, even Kawhi has his moments sometime.
1: I mean, Steph, Steph doesn't yeah. complain that much. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. Uh, that's a good question, though. I I do kind of want to see. Are, are, is there someone I'm forgetting? Um, I don't it's know. I not. Trey Young but, got fined
2: for screaming at a well, ref the other night. Trey Young's. Trey Young's is. I think Lillard Lillard is generally pretty good.
1: Oh yeah, Lillard's good. Lillard's good. Um, you know, it's it, the the type of complaining that drives me absolutely crazy is when you just take the entire defensive possession off to complain. Like yeah. you're just kinda that's like I'm I'm tapping out of this possession because I need to talk to this ref. Like that's the stuff that drives me crazy. Like if you wanna like berate a, a ref like well, a guy's shooting free throws or something like that, that's that's fine. But the the taking a defensive possession off to complain about something that wasn't even the wrong call is what drives me nuts.
2: Mm-hmm. So I have the Mavs on my list and I I I'm not opposed to the concept of the Mavs making a run. I would certainly pick the Mavs to make the playoffs. I don't think their situation is all that dire. Um but what I have is the Mavs will start sniffing around at Porzingis trades. I don't know if it's going to oh, yeah. be very easy to trade oh. him. I think I mean, he, is he in that Russell category for contracts?
1: Uh I don't think so just because when he's going well, he is still really really good. Um like I just don't think D'Angelo Russell's ever played at a level that justified that contract, like even close to it. So, like Porzingis, you know, last year when he was at his best, he absolutely deserved that contract. Um, I mean, I think they've probably already been sniffing around. Like I, I think they could go on a run and trade Porzingis. Like I don't, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Um, I, I mean, he's that's a tough. That's the type of trade I think you almost have to wait for the offseason because there's just so much that goes into that for the other team where they probably need some sort of a physical and like the whole the whole thing. So, yeah. um, I mean, I, I think that they. You know, you I think you can say pretty safely that that trade hasn't worked out as well as they probably hoped it would. Uh, I don't think it's been a disaster and I I still think there's a lot to be written on that, uh, but I, I think you know if if Porzingis suffers another injury, then I think he does sort of enter that worst contracts in the league discussion.
2: Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's one injury away from. I mean, I wouldn't say like current Blake Griffin, but I mean, it could it could get that way. Like every single one of these injuries has been lower body, knees, ankles. Um, I mean, it's it's close, and then he's not he's a very good player. He's a borderline all-star. I I still enjoy watching him play. I, I think he maybe has not gotten quite enough credit for how good he's been at times this year, but it's not like he is Joel Embiid when he's healthy, you know, and it's like, this guy is the best player in the league when he's healthy or he's injured. It's like when he's healthy, he's pretty good. And there's a massive injury risk on the other side. Like I just, it's almost impossible for me to imagine him still in a Mavericks uniform at the end of this contract that pays him $36 million on a player option in 23 24.
1: He used to be such a good rim protector. Like that's that's the thing that is kind of concerning. Like he's just kind of you know, he he he's still going to get blocks and stuff, but he's not that difficult to score on I don't think anymore at the rim no. because his his just, just mobility and agility uh, down there is just kind of shot at this point so i I think he needs i wouldn't rule out like if he can stay healthy the rest of this season like i wouldn't rule out him coming back like next year and and just looking like an absolute stud but um yeah i mean he's got to kind of avoid any setbacks
2: okay so you said your your list is out i i jotted down a few more and i'll I'll read them off and if you want to stop me and talk about any of them let me know uh number one I had Zion Williamson is gonna make an all NBA team. This year. This year. I think he's gonna make third team all NBA.
1: Yeah, I s so um part of that is probably the forward pool, right? So like would would he be making it over like Jimmy Butler?
2: Oh yeah, I, I think Butler Others played better lately. I think he has three triple doubles in his last four games. He's been OK, but the Heat are six games under 500 and he's missed a ton of time. I mean, part of it, ironically, is that Zion is yet to miss. Oh, he's missed one game the entire year. And that was against the Clippers on, on back in you know, mid-January. Like he has a pretty big leg up on even someone like Kevin Durant, who I, I think Durant would still make it over him. But I mean, KD's already missed like 10 or 11 games.
1: I mean, I think KD would make it over him even if KD missed like 22 games. No, I I agree, but like a lot of
2: guys, I mean, Jason Tatum has missed a decent chunk of time. Like, I don't know, if the difference ends up being like 10 plus games, I, I think that helps him.
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's definitely in play. Um I mean, I don't think he would make it. I think Butler I I, th- I think Butler would make it over him to be honest, I think, but I think, I think Butler, Middleton, KD. I mean, maybe he'd make it over Middleton. I I think that'd be a mistake. Um,
2: I think the counting stats are just going to be overwhelming. Like he's been, he's been incredibly good lately. Alex was sending me a bunch of Zion stats this morning. And one of those was 1.2 points per possession in ISOs. Um, I mean, he's just been like his, his last nine games, he's averaging 28 points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal, a block, 70% from the field, 80% at the line. And he's finally started to shoot threes again, not a ton, but he's made a three in each of his last two games, which is really not something you could say was part of his game even two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely open to that idea. Um, so it would be. LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis, KD. I think those four would definitely make it over him. And then, so he's basically got to beat out, like, one of Middleton, Butler. um, Tatum. Yeah, he should make it over Tatum. Uh, I mean, I I don't think Tatum should make it this year. Yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, like you said, part of it's just there's not... There's, I guess it just feels like there's not quite as many great options this year. And some of the guys who are normally in there have had those injuries or missed time with COVID. Like, I don't know. It's, it's very possible. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Savonis is probably in that conversation too. No. Come on. No? No.
1: Okay.
2: Well, it's, you have to stop, stop watching so much
1: Hornets. Watch a little more Pacers, man. I I think the more Pacers I watch, the more I would say he's not in there. <laughs>
2: He he abused Carl Anthony Towns last night for, for much of that game, especially late.
1: I think the the key um I can't remember which where I heard this, but someone made a really good point about Sabonis. Like if you put a bad defender on him, he will score. If you put a good defender on him, he will not score. Like he he's just one of those guys that just beats up on the the worst big men defenders in the league and sometimes he just gets those guys because Miles Turner's out there and like for whatever reason the the wrong defenders on him but like he he will eat up any crappy post defender but he just has no way to score on on the best guys.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, I'll read you the rest quickly in, in succession. I have this this one's more of like a hot take than something I think will actually happen, but the Bucks fire Mike Bootenholzer. John Collins Uh, is traded at the deadline. The New York Knicks make the playoffs. And then this one's a little more big picture. I don't know what the league is going to do, but I I think the league begins having conversations about a way to curb the recent uptick in three pointers, which has gotten, even in my opinion, a little bit out of control lately.
1: I, I considered that exact John Collins prediction. Um, So I'm on board with that one. I mean, I think, you know, his agent has got to have made it known to them that they're basically not going to have a shot at getting him back if they continue to use him the way they're using him. Yeah. I mean, he's
2: dropped hints that he's not – I don't think he loves playing in the Trey Young offense.
1: No, no. I mean, they would have to – they would have to just give him a massive contract, I think, to get him to stay at this point. And yeah. they probably know that. And um, That's yeah, usually not totally. a good
2: situation where the guy the guy, openly is like, I don't like playing here. I don't like playing with this guy. He is my brother, though. Um, and the only way that I will play <laughs> with him is if you overpay me to stay in a situation that I don't want to be in.
1: Yeah. You're going to have to really pay me a lot of money to keep playing with this guy, who I love.
2: Yeah, <laughs> That was an all-time uh, quote. I think that went a little unnoticed, like, Yeah. I, I don't like playing with this guy, but Hey, no matter what, he's my brother, but I don't like him, but he's my brother.
1: It's like a Bradley Beal, John Wall type of thing. (laughs) Um, yeah. So yeah, where, you know, one thing I, I kind of wanted this to happen before the season, but I was thinking like the number two pick for Collins, um, you know, why, like, which ended up being Wiseman, but might not have been if they'd been making the pick, but, uh, like I'd, I'd like to see Collins as the big man next to Draymond Green. I think that'd be awesome. Um, I don't know if you could really make that work contractually, but like, where, do you have any ideas in mind for where he'd end up?
2: Uh, not really. I, I thought about it and tried to come up with a few. I I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Um, I I just think with with Atlanta, I think they thought that they would be like where the Suns are this year, seven games over 500, looking like a top four or five team and they're four games under 500. they They're behind the Bulls. You know, the only teams that are ahead of are, like, the three worst teams in the league and then Orlando and Miami, which have really struggled. Like, to me, I mean, to me it's just clear that they didn't... They're not as good as they thought they were going to be, and I don't think they're going to get dramatically better with this core. Like, I, I think for them, it's like... A, they probably think Collins isn't a winning player. He probably thinks he is a winning player. Like, it just makes more sense for both sides to separate.
1: In, in Travis Schlank's defense which I rarely come to Travis Slank's defense, but, uh, you know, not having Bogdanovich for basically the whole year and getting this terrible version of Daniel Gallinari. I mean, I don't think anyone really saw that either of those things coming, but uh, at the same time, Clint Capella has probably been better than anyone expected.
2: Yeah, very true. Do you have any thoughts on the three point situation? Um, I have a few numbers that I will throw at you and, I, I'm not obviously not the first person to bring this up. It's It's been a narrative for a while, but it's really gotten out of hand. I think with some of these games, like I was watching um, Warriors heat last night was an absolute abomination for the last mm-hmm. five minutes and into overtime, like no team, neither team was attempting to get good shots whatsoever. Mm. Um, so there are four teams right now that are, that are taking 40 plus three pointers per game, the league average three point attempt rate, which is the percentage of your field goals that come from three. The league average is 39.4%. So basically, four out of every ten shots are coming from three. Two years ago, that number was 35.9%. During the 2015-16 season, so that was um, you know the three-one comeback season, that number was 285 So in the matter, it, you know, in a, in a course of five years, ten percentage points um, is the difference in how many more threes teams are taking. In that 2015-16 season only two teams out of 30 took 33 pointers per game. Every team in the league now is easily clearing that. And again, four teams are taking 40. So five years ago, it was kind of crazy if you were taking 30 a game, like that was, that was rockets, warriors, like, and even back then it was, man, are, are they taking too many? Like, I, I don't like watching this rockets. All they do is launch threes. The average NBA team now is basically what the rockets were at that point, And maybe even a little bit above that.
1: So, what do you have in mind?
2: I don't know. That's where you come in. I don't like the idea of I don't I don't want like a four point line. I think that's that's too that's like Harlem Globetrotters stuff. I don't I don't want that. I would be open to moving the line back. I I again I don't I don't I don't think adding another point value is the solution. But I don't know I don't know what it is. I mean maybe you do something that returns the the ability to hand check in some ways. And obviously you don't want to risk sending the game back two decades and all of a sudden scores are in the eighties, but it's, I don't know. I, I feel like an old man, but it, well, it really is not that fun to watch right now.
1: One, one, uh, obvious one to me is to somehow, uh, make the eliminate the three shot foul. Um, maybe it's just, you get the ball back, And no free throw I don't know like maybe it's just two free throws or you know I'm I'm not sure but I just think that if you make it so because what you know what Daryl Morey and you know a lot of these guys sort of figured out is there's really nothing better than three shot foul and so you just kind of encourage your players to try to get those and that leads to some of these just disgusting heaves where the person's only just trying to get fouled yeah. Um, uh, so I think finding a way to sort of get rid of that um maybe somehow maybe you eliminate the corner 3 um yeah I mean I I'm I'm open to something uh I think Kurt Goldsberry had some sort of ideas in his book uh, that he wrote recently um I mean we it's definitely out of control. I agree with you. Um, it's just kind of a tough thing to.
2: Yeah, well, it's hard because it's what you're supposed to do, right? I mean, like the math. Nobody's arguing that the math doesn't check out. It's uh, it's unfortunate that the math doesn't agree with what's always the most aesthetically pleasing. You know, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say a team shouldn't be doing what they're doing because it it works. There's a reason that every team is basically breaking. Like I feel like half the league has like broken their franchise record for made threes or threes attempted this year. And, you know, offensive ratings are up an average of about two points per 100 this year, which is a huge jump year over year. The average team is shooting like 37 percent from three, which is crazy. Um, like, it, it's not like it's not working. It's just offense has has surpassed defense to the point where it could just be a little tough on the eyes.
1: Yeah, I agree. I do want to quickly uh, agree with your Budenholzer prediction. Mm-hmm. I think that you... Absolutely nailed it. He's definitely getting fired. Um, Would you bet that it's in season or after the season? Oh, after the season for sure. Okay. I, I mean, I. They're definitely. This is definitely a. You get one more chance, and you know it's so funny. Like on the one hand, there. You know nobody should be judging this Bucks team based on this losing streak because a. Drew Holliday has. Not played during this losing streak, and B, like everyone has always criticized Budenholzer rightfully so, for just never making any adjustments to his defense in the playoffs and stuff. And now the Bucks are finally trying to experiment with other defensive strategies during the regular season, which is when you should experiment. And the defense has been worse, and so people are like getting on him for the defense being worse. So it's like, well, what, what do you want? You want him to. Switch it up or I mean, because the Bucks could still have an awesome defense if they just did what they always do. But um, I I just think that they're going to get bounced in the playoffs, uh, probably by Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, I one of my I almost made a prediction that the. Uh, that the Raptors are going to make some noise in the playoffs, I, I could see the Raptors beating the Bucks again. Uh, I could see the Celtics beating the Bucs. I could see I I don't think the Sixers would beat the Bucs, to be honest. I think it's gonna be probably one of the Nets, Celtics or Raptors, but um yeah, I d I don't think they're gonna come out of the East and I don't think it'll be like I think when they do lose it'll be in pretty convincing fashion or to a team they shouldn't have lost to. So yeah, I think he just gets fired in like I don't know October or something.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, this is a low-hanging fruit comparison, but it it reminds me a lot of the Packers the last few years. Where it's just there, the Bucks are the Bucks are the world's foremost front-running team. When things are good, things are very good. When things are bad, you, do you have any faith? Like if they're down ten to a good team with four minutes left, is there anything in the back of your mind where you're like oh they'll come back from this? It's like hell no, they're not coming back from that. Like watching that Utah game last week, it was like they just folded and that's what they've done time after time. Like, I, I don't know if it's a, a personnel issue, if it's a, a you know, some sort of mental block that this team has, or or if it is something that comes down to coaching, but you just don't get, you, you don't have, don't get the sense that, and maybe two years ago, I guess I had that where it felt like they were invincible and they beat everybody until Toronto came along in the East Finals, but they've completely lost that, that aura uh, that they had the last couple of years in the regular season, at least.
1: I just think Giannis is not a – the way the game is today, like I think I think there are eras where Giannis could have been the best player on a title team, but the way the game's played today, I just don't think he can be the best player on a title team. I, I mean, I think it's kind of as simple as that.
2: Yeah. Um, right. When, you're, when, you're, when your team's launching up 43s a game and that's – you know, it's first to make 15 threes is probably going to win the game and your best player is not usually contributing to that total – that's a pretty big issue. All right, I will leave you with this question. This was in my like honorable mentions. I had, I had two honorable mentions that were not good enough to actually bring up. One, I don't want to discuss this, but I think the Lakers should trade for Terrence Ross. Just gonna kind of float that out there. Hopefully, Palinka <laughs> is listening. Uh, but the other one, the Denver Nuggets are 15 and 13. They lost last night um, to the Wizards. They are in the eight seed currently. Jokic is playing great but the the record just doesn't really match up with with how it feels like their season is going. Would you trade Michael Porter Jr. before the deadline? And has yeah. if so has your opinion changed, you know, on him as a prospect over this first
1: like 2 months of the season? No, I mean you you and I I think you and I have kind of been saying this for over a year now that they should trade Porter and Yes it's just ridiculous the idea of him being untouchable i think i even threw out rudy Boubois as like kind of jokingly but not that jokingly like as like making this guy untouchable who is your clear third best player and is terrible defensively and is just kind of a crazy person like that you got you got to cash cash that out because you know, first of all, he's going to insist on a max, regardless of how well he plays between now and when that time comes. And like, you just don't want to give him that max anyway. So just trade him for, even if it's not Bradley Beal. I don't, I don't necessarily know who like the other options would be, but I, I mean, I if they had a chance to get Beal for him at any time in past, that was a huge mistake. Uh, probably, um, same thing with. I would I would have probably even traded him just for a rental version of James Harden, um, even though I think Harden and Jokic would have been a horrible fit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I think you absolutely should trade him if you can get if you can get another like top 20 player in the league for Michael Porter. I think you trade him.
2: He hasn't been great this year. I don't think his value is depressed to the point where you still couldn't get a great return for him, though. I I just so his last 14 games since coming back, he missed like three weeks to begin January. Last 14 games, he's averaging 12 points, six rebounds, less than one assist, one steal, one block, and he's been okay, 35%, below league average from three. He's four of his last 24 from beyond the arc. He took a horrendous pull-up three-pointer. Once again, I feel like we, you could say this about any game, but I was watching the end of that one last <laughs> night against Washington. It was it was bad enough that Jamal Murray looked at him, put both of his arms out, and shook his head, and then looked at the bench like, why is this guy out here? Um and it seems like I said, he has one of those moments like every other game. I, like they're only playing him 26 minutes. They were bringing him off the bench for a while. You know, like they're they're still working in Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap. Like it's not like it's not like this guy's playing 38 minutes a night and, you know, he's playing really well. And you're like, man, I, we just can't give up on him. Like it doesn't even seem like they want to play him. Like that's why I, I don't understand. There's like this dissonance between right he, Mike Malone clearly doesn't like him. Some of these guys right. don't like playing with him because of what he does on defense and some of the shots he takes. And yet at the same time, we refuse to trade him.
1: He's like, he's one of those guys where like when you're playing pickup and he's like on your team, like you get halfway through the game and you just kind of stop trying because of how annoyed you are at the way that he's playing. But you might win the
2: game because he might hit seven threes and all of a sudden you're at 21.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I don't know who the, I don't know who you trade him for. I think that's the tough part because I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if – I think they could maybe get something better than him for Beal, but, um, I mean, I would definitely try to trade him for Beal if he could. I, I guess I don't really – I can't think off the top of my head who uh, another good option would be there.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think early on there was – I wouldn't even say chatter. That's probably too generous, but Devin Booker's name was brought up. I, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who it is. I mean, even if like if I could flip him for like a Brandon Ingram – in a pick type of package or something along those lines. I know that doesn't line up salary wise. I would, I just want someone like if I'm Denver, I, I feel like even though I'm only two games o- over 500 at 15 and 13, it feels like they're closer. Like the way Jokic is playing Murray started to play really well the last couple of weeks. I, I would just want somebody a little more dependable. And what I I don't you, know, maybe it's just me, but like, I'm just not that high on his long-term ceiling.
1: What if you did Porter and Gary Harris for like John Collins, Bogdanovich, and I don't know, something else.
2: I don't know. I I think I would want a piece slightly better than Collins. I don't I don't hate the framework of it, and getting off that Harris money is is not nothing. But I don't know. I mean, Beal and Harden were the two pieces that were out there, and you know they missed on Harden, and who knows with Beal, it just it just feels like I I don't know. I just have a hard time like looking back. I don't think in two thousand twenty four you and I will be like, remember that podcast when we said Michael Porter wasn't any good and they should have traded him. Like, I'm not saying he can't get better, but I don't think in three years he's going to be like Kevin Durant. Like some people thought it's not
1: that he's like, I still think they're like, he's going to find his way to a terrible team and he's going to put up 28 a game. And like, I still think that's going to happen. I just don't think he's ever gonna like help a team win a big playoff series. Like, I think he's just, he's the ultimate like losing player. Like you just can't, because, uh, like you said, like, all of his teammates hate him. His coach hates him. That's going to be the case everywhere he goes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he could certainly be a type of player who wins you a series because he just gets hot, but he's not. he's never going to be the type of guy who is your number one option, and because he's on your team, you're locked into the playoffs as long as he's healthy. And that's how they're valuing him, I feel like.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he's, like, the worst possible version of, like, Young Carmelo, I guess, like with <laughs> with none of the redeeming qualities, uh like whichever qualities yeah. those were, like yeah, the hats,
2: the, cor- <laughs> the cornrows. I don't know. Car- Carmelo, Carmelo had a lot. Of- the,
1: Carmelo without the hat.
2: Yeah, right. All right, we'll cut it off there. As always, Um, you know, before we hit record, we're like, all right, maybe we'll do like thirty, forty minutes, and we went way past that. But great to chat with you again after taking last week off, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon.